The Super Bowl is over. Football's over. Spring training is this week. Baseball's back. We're back. Let's go! You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today, and you get $150 in bonus bets. If your first $5, if your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown to get started today. It's a cat. If you're not sure what's going on down here, I shifted the camera so everyone can see why I'm doing weird hand movements. I'm doing this, so hopefully she doesn't smack me in the face again in the middle of recording. Uh, today is Corey Kluber Day on the show. Oh, get nicely done. Nicely done there. Uh, if you are listening, he just brought up the, the gift that one of our listeners made of, of me getting smacked by this very cat. Uh, Corey Kluber, uh, if I can start off by telling a funny story. When the uh, Guardians traded for him uh, way back in the day, you know, when he was part of that uh, 2010 trade, I was writing at Indians Prospect Insider. Uh, and I remember getting excited for this trade. And then realizing I had misunderstood it because I didn't know they were getting Corey Kluber. I thought they were getting Corey Lubeck, who was like oh, a top five oh. pitching prospect, was a kid from Ohio State, I believe, too. I that one. And I was like, no, it's a good trade. And then being very disappointed. And if you don't remember uh, the kid from Ohio State, it's it's fine. It didn't work out for him. And about the only thing we could say at the time for Corey Kluber was he had a lot. He missed a lot of bats in double A. And at the time, this was an organization that much like how they are struggling with power now could not for the life of them get pitchers who struck guys out. This was an organization of soft tossing guys and could not find, I mean, even look at CC and you look at uh, Carmona and to a lesser degree, Cliff Lee, uh, Cliff Lee missed bats, but Carmona and, and CC were not guys who missed bats. Like even when they were successful, it was not with high K rate. So it was, it beca- he became interesting. Um, and then, you know, We'll get into all of it, but Corey Kluber gifted us Class A and uh, a walk-off postseason victory. So even when he left, he was doing great things for Cleveland. Greatest pitcher, I'm 42, in my lifetime. And that's hands down. It's not even close. Yeah, I just turned 35, and I, I agree with you. That's the same same thing. You've watched the Super Bowl. Today's the Kluber Bowl. Uh, I actually heard a rumor that, that Kluber wanted to come back to Cleveland for one more year. But uh, he wasn't willing to gift Tanner Bybee a Porsche to get number 28 back. So he couldn't get his number back. So he just retired. That story is not true. We just got that from a very, uh, very wonderful everyday listener who gave me that yeah. joke, by the way. I, uh, I can't take credit for that. Because <laughs> Otani gave Joe Kelly a, a Porsche for his yes, number. Yes, that was the to, joke. To, to explain that one fully. Tanner uh, Bybee is now number 28. You were, you were yeah. talking about um, the trade. Ironically, talking about pitchers that didn't miss any bats. I mean, Cleveland got Kluber for Jake Westbrook and and, and not that, you know, Jake Westbrook wasn't a good pitcher for Cleveland, but he obviously was not a bat missing uh, pitcher. He was a sinker baller. Um, Just what a great, I mean, that's like you said, they didn't have any guys who missed bats. So they traded Jake Westbrook, a guy who didn't miss any bats for for Corey Kluber. Yeah. Nobody knew who Corey Kluber was at the time. And, And the guy they traded for certainly was not the guy that, um, ended up being the pitcher that Cleveland had for all those seasons either. 
he was not a top prospect by any means. He was Never. not, you know, he, like you said, he missed a lot of bats. Didn't really walk a lot of guys. He was pretty solid control wise in the minors, but wasn't like anything special. Looked like he profiled maybe as a guy who was like, you know, his numbers too weren't great in the minors. Like he, he had some high ERAs. He was not, not really getting a lot of outs. And what really changed it for him really was uh, Ruben Niebla when he was the minor league pitching coordinator. I don't even, was he the Columbus pitching coach at the time or was he the minor league pitching coordinator? I can't remember which role he had. I remember I just read Jordan Bashan's story about it on Friday after the, the news of the retirement. And it talked about during a rain delay in Columbus and Kluber had kind of messed around with a two seam and, and bullpens didn't really throw it. He was a four seam curveball changeup guy and he had a cutter too. And obviously the four seam didn't really work well for him, but Niebla, you know, he saw the two seam in a bullpen, I think during a rain delay or something. And he told him to try it in the game and it worked. And the two seam, he could control it better. Uh, he could throw it, you know, back door to lefties and inside to right or outside to righties. And it really profiled well off of his breaking ball, which, you know, we never really understood if what Corey Kluber threw was a curveball or a slider. We just, he always just called it a breaking ball because it was one of the best breaking balls I've ever seen. It's just, yeah, that might pitch have been just, the best. Yeah, it was insane. I, I don't really know what it was, but it was insane. And it, it just worked. The, the profiling worked so well off the two scene because of their movements mirrored each other. And um, the cutter was always good for him. The four seam didn't really use. And then the change he barely used too, which was hilarious. But that two seam with uh, Niebla in, in Columbus, whether Niebla was the pitching coach or the, the minor league pitching coordinator, really worked out. That's what made him made him take off. But like you said, he wasn't the top 100 prospect. This this organization's pitching was in I don't wasn't say shambles, but it wasn't good. For, uh, he wasn't even a guy no. who was ever in the top 10 for um, San Diego. And just one side note, so I don't get in trouble, because you know Corey Lubeck did play at Mason High School. He's an Ohio guy. He is one of those rare people who were essentially never came back from Tommy John. Actually had some pretty good numbers, got to the big leagues, was a solid guy. So I know this is about another Corey, but I just want to do a self-correction in here. He was a solid pitcher and then the rare guy who didn't recover from Tommy John. Uh, But yeah, I think it's interesting because not only was Kluber not a top 100, when they got him, he wasn't a top 10 prospect. He was never a top 10 prospect, even in his own organizations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was a non-traditional route working through things, but you know, that was the one thing I remember hearing about from the minute they acquired him because I did write-ups at that time on IBI about these trades. And then uh, our, our mutual friend, Tony Lastoria, uh, hopefully he listens to this one, had inside connections with the front office. So we would get some inside dirt that we couldn't always share. Uh, and the inside dirt was just he misses bats. And like I said, it's it's interesting to the cyclical nature of things where that was something this organization was terrible at was missing bat pitching. Um, and this was the guy who started to turn that in a lot of ways. This was, like I said, Cliff Lee was actually very good at strikeouts. He's better than you remember him before his breakout year. He had some solid seasons. The breakout was entirely, yeah. entirely different. And then the injury, you know, if he's healthy in 07, how much different things go? He was terrible in 07. He, he was, but he also had health issues re- that year. Yeah. Yeah, but and, uh, and this trade for for Kluber too, I think preceded the Ubaldo Jimenez trade. So Kluber was in the organization yes. before Jimenez. They traded for him in eleven, and, and I mean a lot of people they, were traded, mad they didn't get Ludwig in this deal too. That was the other part that caused a lot. Yeah, of anger. Ludwig was a, a right-handed power hitter in the outfield. Yes. Yeah, um, and remember the time this was this was after the draft, so they had already had Drew Pomeranz and Alex White in the system. That was them trying to turn pitching around, which obviously 
you know, Pomeranz went on to have a decent career as a, as a reliever and reliever. Alex White turned into nothing. But like that, yeah, the organization was searching for pitching at the time very badly. Like I said, this trade preceded that. So at the time of this trade, everybody was high on White and Pomeranz as the future of the rotation. And Corey Kluber was just a 24-year-old minor leaguer that, you know, like I said, had some interesting stats, but nobody really knew a whole lot about. Things really I changed in the minors thought- when, in 2012. I'm sorry, yeah, 20. I think it was 2012 or 2013. 2013. Well, I imagine it was 2013 because remember he was 27 in 2013. Yeah. He was not good in 2012 when he made his debut with Cleveland. No, yeah. he made he pitched four innings with Cleveland in 2011. So a year later he was in the majors. 2012 he was not good. It was pretty bad. And then 2013 he had a really good run at the end of the year. And I think he had like a, I want to say a finger injury that knocked him out. Like he had a, a blister or some sort of cut on his finger. So that knocked him out of 2013, but he had a really good run there. And obviously, I think after that run in 2013, we thought, okay, this looks like a really good mid-rotation guy. Like, this is a guy you can put at number three or number four and feel really good about for next year. Nobody had any idea what was coming the next season, obviously. You know, uh, you know in, in full, like, full discourse, it's I thought after 2011 and 2012, I was like, I think this guy maybe is just a really good reliever because he could miss mm-hmm. bats. And I was like, and he hadn't shown that as to quite the same degree in those short runs. But he also, I uh, you know, the, the there were just little things popping up, some big variance to the data in terms of like home run rates and stuff like that that ended up bouncing. But that 2013 year, I was like, yeah, this guy's all set. And I can't remember, you know, if they just came in 2014 with a more established rotation or what was going on that year that no, I mean, he got 34 starts, so he was there from the start. But it's like that 2013 yeah. year, he definitely, by the end of that, I was a full-on thirteen. The 13 rotation was, at the beginning of the year, disastrous because you had Masterson, Ubaldo in the first half wasn't good. You had uh Casmir was good. And you had but, Brett Myers, which, yeah. yeah I think it, you exactly had Tom Carrasco, was, but, was actually, oh, yeah, that's right. That was a good year for McAllister. You know, Ubaldo closed well. Masterson had a good fit that I mean everyone had a good fit sure if you did. look at it. like everyone in that rotation did a yeah, pretty good job rotation was good yeah and I mean let's wow. see Carrasco got 10 starts that was was that the year that Carrasco was still throwing at people and people wanted to cut him like the kind of humor of it oh, now looking he back. threw at Billy Butler's head yeah I can't yeah through multiple times I remember the number of people I had to be like listen he's a young guy that's not you know and like he's 26 uh but Carrasco really struggled hadn't figured out Danny Salazar had 10 great starts that year too towards the end um, because that's the year they made the postseason the playoff team, right? Didn't Salazar start the postseason game? The wild card game against yeah, the Rays. So it was, yeah, I mean, they had to go, thing. They had to go ten and zero at the end of the year yeah. to make that to to host the playoff, the, the wild card yeah. game. And Masterson couldn't even start because no. he had just come back from an intercostal strain, so he was only available to the bullpen. And I don't think they didn't. Yeah, they didn't use Kluber that game either. I don't no, think. no, but, uh, and, I, think was, and, I think Kluber might have been hurt too. I, I can't remember, but it's like Jimenez was in the potentially for that, and he had been a monster for them down the stretch. Um, yeah. But yeah, it didn't like Salazar was the was the prospect. It was not all about Cooper then. He was never nope. he was never the guy. Nick Hagedone, who pitched in the relief uh, relief role, was you know at points a bigger it's name Martin for this organization yeah. as a prospect. It's just very interesting. I mean, you even had uh, David Huff appear in a few innings. Speaking of guys, oh, who probably to, were I higher like rated. Forget about that one. But I, that's, I, I think that's what's kind of mo- magical about Kluber. I know we got to take a break here in a moment. Compared to a lot of the other guys who came up is we got to know the other guys and we kind of expected, you know, all of them to be successful. Bieber and Clevenger, I think unless you were really deep in the system like you and I were, 
were small surprises with how good they became, but you and I spent time in the minors and knew that those guys were much more valuable than they were being given credit to, but they were still top 10 prospect guys. There were still guys who were close to top 100, though Bieber never made one, and I don't believe Clevenger made one either. But at least there was some discussion on that. Cooper was a guy who was none of that. Like he is the guy who came from Stenson, who's now produced more guys, uh, a university that's had success, but he came out of nowhere on so many different levels and became, like I said again, the greatest Cleveland Guardians slash Indians pitcher of my lifetime. Talk about Kluber's place in franchise history. We'll talk about some of the greatest moments of his career in Cleveland and the lasting impact he has on the Guardians pitching factory all coming up. Well, we know football season is over as of today, but you can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. So that's any winning $5 bet, $150 if that one wins to you in your FanDuel account. Right now, well, this bet won't pay off for months, but I was looking at the Rookie of the Year voting for 2024, the Rookie of the Year odds. Kyle Mansardo. Plus eighteen hundred right now, so you can go in there, put a buck down on on uh, Kyle Manzardo and get get yourself eighteen dollars. Uh, Brian Rocchio is listed on there right now. I have to find where he was at. He was a uh, l- little bit lower. He is plus five thousand, so you could go in there, put yourself down a dollar on Brian Rocchio, win yourself fifty bucks, or be uh, down wanna... two dollars at the end of the year for or, those two bets, or that too. Yeah, other one. It's it's a tough class. We'll talk about it more in the future. Uh, but if you want a quick return on your bet, if you're a new customer, put $5 on any NBA players or in teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. And if you win, you get the 150 bucks that we talked about. Just visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, so we talked about the trade and what, what Kluber took off in, but... Um, you know, just he's really up there all time. Well, I think we'll talk about this a little bit more. Let's talk about some of the memories he created here. We're going to share some of, we asked people to uh, vote on some of their favorite clue memories of all time and share some of them. So we're going to read those at the end of the show, but uh, I'll put some of the stats down. But 2014, I mean, the Cy Young, what an incredible run. I mean, we just talked about how he was not a top prospect by any means. And even though he had that great 2013 season, nobody expected what was to come in 2014. And that 2014 team wasn't anything special. By any no. means necessary, um, but that just that 2014 Cy Young, 235 innings, two 244 uh, ERA, 235 FIP, that 269 strikeouts. I think is like sixth in club history for a single season. That's that's pretty darn against incl- guys incredible. who's had like ten more starts too. Like that's the thing. Like that was, you know, the, those old seasons. They they were four man rotations. Kluber ranks third all time in the in the organization of strikeouts. Um, at 1461, I mean, no one, it's going to be very hard for anybody to touch McDowell or Feller because they're both way above 2000 strikeouts. Yeah. And, and they pitched but, here so long. Yeah. They both, I mean, McDowell had 300 games pitched here and, and Feller had over 500. Kluber threw 208 games here and he made it to third. I mean, that's, he passed guys like Bob Lemon, early win, Matthew, Harder, Mike he won Garcia, 98 Gary Bell, Louis Tiant. Yeah. That's he won nine. Yeah. He won 98 of 208 starts. I mean, we that's know win loss is garbage, but still pretty good I mean, to be in that position. I mean, that's 15th. He's he's 15th in wins. And I mean, his short run here, he's eighth in pitcher win behind 
Bob Feller, Stan Kovaleski, Mel Harder, Eddie Joss, Sam McDowell, Bob Levin, early win. All of those guys pitched longer in Cleveland. Like, that's the thing. He doesn't see Sabathia's down here at 15th. Gaylord Perry, 14th. Like, guys who had similar lengths. And pitching and wins? In war. Oh, war. Okay. War. I see you're like, comparing the different eras. No, I mean, yeah. in wins, he's 15th. He's, he's behind. Yeah. He's, you know, he, again, pitching wins is one I struggle with, but. Like yeah, he's war, one yeah. of the great pitchers. In, war. Yeah, he's one of the great pitchers in franchise history. Just full stop. Yeah, and then you have the 18 strikeout game against St. Louis in 2015, and I think people forget how good Corey Kluber was in 2015 because he lost 16 games, which actually led the American League, which was unbelievable. Uh, but he had a 3.49 ERA, but a 2.97 FIP because the defense was god awful that year. Um, he walked less batters in 2015 than he did in 2014. He had a lower, lower whip. Um, he had more, he had less walk, yeah, walks per nine. And he was fantastic in 2015. He just he had more complete games, just the defense kind of let him down. But yeah, he had 18 strikeout performance against the Cardinals that, that year in 2015. I've never seen a game like that before in my life. And that was, was one, one that Bob Feller's uh, widow was at, right? Is that the one? Yeah, she was at that one. Yeah. Zach just put that in his article on the athletic. That was yeah. really good. He hit a batter in the first inning of that game. I didn't realize that because I thought it was a no a perfect game. It was not. And he allowed, I don't think he allowed a hit until oh, it was the no, it was the third, second inning. So it uh no, did he allow a hit in the second inning? That was Cleveland. Did no, the the hit was at the end there, but the the hit batter was. It, was did he have a no hitter? He had a no hitter going till late, I believe. The no hitter, uh the no hitter was over in the seventh. Um no, that's that's also them. I don't know when the no hitter ended for him. Then uh, the seventh inning, Johnny Peralta, of all people, really. Yeah. You know what's what's wild is that Kluber did go on to throw no hitter for the Yankees in 2021. Out of all the pitchers in Cleveland the last decade that have been really good, I always thought Kluber would be the one to do it. And you know, we had in 2015, we had I think Salazar and and Salazar Carrasco and and Cody Anderson of all people. Like back to back weeks, I think came very close to a no hitter. I mean, Zach, please oh, close this is clo- against Seattle. Like a yeah. lot of guys have come so close. And then this was as close as Corey Kluber ever got with Cleveland. So of all the guys I thought would break that that streak for Cleveland was going to be Corey Kluber, and he never did. And then yeah. there's go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, uh, I just want to point out too. It's like we focus on all the K's and everything. Kind of what made him special is like he's also ninth as the ninth lowest walk rate of any pitcher in Cleveland. Like, of course, Josh Tomlin's one. You got guys like Red Dottyhue, Eddie Josh, uh, Bill Barnard, like Cy Young, uh, Dick Donovan. I believe all of them were like dead ball era. And Paul Bird, and that's literally <laughs> Paul Bird is six lowest walk rate. And then you have Corey Kluber, and then Greg Swindell and Shane Bieber. That's how like. Not only did he miss bats at pretty much in, at, you know, his strikeouts per nine are behind Danny Salazar, Shane Bieber, and Mike Clevenger. That, those are the only guys ahead of him. So he had this elite mix in terms of strikeouts and walks and just people focus on the wrong things with him. And it always annoys me to no end. Speaking of annoying to no end and, and, and not focus on the right things, I I know a lot of people, I'm not going to read any negative comments on the air about Kluber Day because this episode is all about celebrating the greatness of Kluber in, in Cleveland. Because I know a lot of people like to focus on, ah, well, they didn't win a World Series. He was bad in Game 7 of the World Series because people always forget just how crazy his 2016 run was. I mean, yeah, he started on three days rest four different times that postseason. He started I, three games in a matter of, uh, of, I think, 10 days in the postseason in, in uh, 
in 2016. And up until game seven, this is, you look at watch on YouTube, the numbers are up there, but I mean, and he, in 30 innings and over five starts up until that game seven start when he was just out of gas because he had carried the team on his back with Andrew Miller an 089 ERA 35 strikeouts and 30 innings, eight walks. Cleveland was four and one in those five starts. The one they lost up until the world game seven was the, uh, the, the start against Toronto in game four. And he didn't pitch that bad. He was just, that was the first time he had gone on, on short rest and they just weren't up to par that day. But, People just forget. Like I know, people were like, "Ah, he was terrible in 2017, the playoffs. 2018, everybody was cooked." People just don't realize like how impressive that run was in the playoffs in 2016. They just focus on Game Seven and they just focus on the rest of the playoffs. But he was so incredible, and they obviously don't make the World Series without Andrew Miller. But Corey Kluber was yes. I mean, Tomlin and Bauer were. I mean, Tomlin had a couple good starts, but and Bauer was Bauer, but. Corey Kluber literally put the team on his back with Andrew yeah. Miller to get to the World Series that year. He put his right arm on the line, so and Miller put his left arm on the line, and that's that's a big part of their legacy. Yeah, and I distinctly remember like listening to a Chicago broadcast when Cleveland went up, and they're like, "We have to face Kluber twice," and like essentially declaring the series over. Like, and, and yes, he ran out of steam because Salazar got hurt, Carrasco got hurt. Um, you know, they didn't really have that really strong fifth starter and people forget Trevor Bauer was middle leg back then. Like he was not yeah. an ace type. He was just, you know, solidly mediocre and yeah, he carried this team. He put them on his back and, you know, it, Miller and him. And it just felt like uh, that postseason was so stressful because if it wasn't Miller or Kluber, you're like, I don't know how. Yeah, to Allen play. and Shaw were really good, too. Don't forget about that. And they had great postseason runs that year. Allen didn't allow a single learned run that postseason. Everyone talks about yeah. Andrew Miller's postseason run, but Cody Allen did not allow a single run. But I think it's because Miller pitched so many more innings. Like, oh, he did. He, but Allen was, was just as good. He was. But it's but outside of, of those big three, you just always felt like something was going to fall apart. It just, you did, there was no trust in anyone else. And yes, I, I get. Cooper ran out of gas as anyone would in that situation when you know it was just an unbelievable situation he like the fact that he lasted as long as he did is kind of amazing and they just did not have anyone else they could go to uh and that stinks and it was an unfortunate timing with all the injuries but also shows again why we talk about the postseason is a crapshoot and it comes down to just a few moments of dominance and uh again I Corey Kluber, fantastic. Three, yeah, three starts in seven days. I should say that's just un—that's ridiculous. I, you know, I know Madison Bumgarner is, has done that and other, but it, it's hard. It's not easy. That's why it's special. So, uh, talk about a little more about the 2017 run for Kluber. How good he was there. His lasting place in franchise history. His impact on the pitching staff, and we'll share some of your memories about Corey Kluber. All coming up. Passion, drive, patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can always find exactly what you're looking for. With the eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that big win. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Corey Kluber could have used some eBay parts in the end of his career. The way he was really overused. 2017, he had that back injury. Uh, it wasn't great. Early in the year, he was not good before the back injury. Came back in May, won the Cy Young. Just another ridiculous year, 222 innings, 225 ERA, 255, 265 strikeouts. That ranks, I believe, uh, seventh all-time. So he ranks sixth and seventh all-time in strikeouts in, team, in single season history in the, in the franchise's history. But just another unbelievable run for him. Um, and really, when we talk about this, the top of the show, too, is that this franchise isn't where it isn't isn't where it is now pitching wise. I know, you know, there's a lot like we talked about Ruben Niebla and his impact on Kluber and the pitching factory here isn't just one person. Like there's a lot of people that have been involved in this over the years to keep it going. You have, you know, there's Matt Blake, there's other guys who are still in the front office now that are a big part of this. But to me, it all started with Kluber because I remember how much, and I know a lot of people say that some of this stuff is eyewash and, and, we don't really know, but Kluber all or Tito always talked about Kluber's routine between between starts, the side work, catch, catch, play. catch is a big deal for pitchers. If you don't realize that, like you go out there and you throw on the side with intent, you work on stuff. And he was meticulous. He worked so hard. They talked about it, how he set an example for the other pitchers about how he worked, but it wasn't just that it was, you know, they started that whole thing with um, watching each other's bullpens. It was him and Salazar and Carrasco and Tomlin and Bauer and Clevenger and Beaver. When he got here, anybody who pitched in a rotation with Kluber while he was here, um, they were watching each other's bullpens. They were helping each other get better. They were taking stuff from each other. That's the stuff that has carried on. And that's the stuff that started with, with Kluber because um, I hear it in the minor leagues all the time. I've heard it from Tanner. I've heard it from Gavin. I've heard it from Logan. I've heard from Will Dion, from from Doug Nikhazy. I know he's not as big as the rest of those names, but these guys all talk about the same things that we heard that started with Kluber. It's these guys learn from each other. They talk pitching with each other. They watch each other's bullpens. They they want to compete with each other each night. They want to do better than the guy did the night before them. But they're also rooting for each other. That culture started with Kluber's takeoff here in 2014, and I think that's the lasting legacy here i know the numbers are great and the class a trade still serving very well but i think cleveland's pitching factory and the culture here really took off with kluber and i think he set a really good example for that and that's why that's a big part of why it continues today yeah you know this is the beginning of it it's like him and we talked about that year you had in limited roles you had kluber carrasco and salazar and that was definitely kind of the flipping of the switch you know they the the beginning of what we would call the factory um they would acquire bauer not long after that um you would then add him to the that mix and you would continue with guys like clevenger you know pitchers like bieber Bieber now and they just kept on expanding and growing and he was the cornerstone. He was the basis. And yeah, maybe he wasn't quite into the, you know, the drive line and the, some of that stuff as the other guys were, but it's just, he set the tone, right? He was the guy who worked hard, you know, clue bot, you know, him being part cyborg, all this stuff was Hated just, that nickname. <laughs> he did. No, like 
no, uh, I don't know. Come on, it's what he's one of those names he's really known for, though. Yeah, uh, you know, it just he didn't show uh, the emotion, but he was always just so solid. Uh, I mean, would you prefer his other nickname, Hans Kluber or Klubes? Uh, those are the ones <laughs> on baseball reference. I think he referred Klubes, yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, this is like, and then you know, I think I also love the fact that when he was traded to Cleveland that his father was excited because his father was a Cleveland to fan. Mayfield high school. He went yeah. to Mayfield high school with daddy. That's crazy. Yeah, um, it's the small world I, of it all. Yeah. I put up a poll on Twitter. Uh, we're still calling it Twitter about favorite moments. It's from Twitter and in, in, in team history. Uh, 58% of you said that your favorite memory in Cleveland and Kluber history with Cleveland was his 2016 playoff run. 20% of you said uh, the 18 strikeout game. And 16% that said the 2017 Cy Young. Some of you had some great memories to share, too. Daniel Phipps talked about um, spending 20 years following the team in the U.K. He came over to watch Kluber uh, throw 80 innings against the Padres. They lost, but uh, he said it was a great pitching performance. Someone else said the, uh, the 18K game was the biggest one for him. Um, yeah, everybody everybody did seem to say the playoff performance was a standout one. Our YouTube poll the same way. Um, we had a lot of great responses to that as well. Um, Someone brought their G- JG seven seven one zero two brought their seven year old brother the first game to the Clippers and uh, wanted desperately wanted a ball and autograph pretty crowded trying to get pictures and signatures all the players left in the crowd chunk was trying dare to get my crying brother console him and after a few minutes someone said what's behind us all the crying it was Corey Kluber talked to my brother and I for a few minutes he signed my brother's ball and hat was really nice um, helped my brother move into his dorm he still has that ball so really really great memories there. Everyone says the 2016 playoffs, you know, was really big for them. Um, yeah, a lot of good memories you guys shared. I re- really appreciate you guys um, sharing all those areas. Real quick, too, if you look at 2013 and 2018, uh, which was Kluber's run with Cleveland uh, when it really started and how long it took, he was fourth in the American League. I'm sorry, fourth in baseball in F4, uh, Fangraphs War. At 33.2, the only guys ahead of him in that time were Sale, Scherzer, and Kershaw. Those the first, the top two are Hall of Famers. Sale probably isn't, but he's in the Hall of Very Good. And I know people are going to ask us about Kluber in the Hall of Fame. Kluber's not going to make the Baseball Hall of Fame, the, the you know Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, but obviously he's certainly going to be a Cleveland Hall of Famer in Heritage Park one day. Hundred percent. And you know he is to me the top five rotation of my lifetime is him, Sabathia, Lee, just because the peak, um, Carrasco, and then one can debate, uh, like I said, Nagy or Bieber for that final spot. Uh, I also want to say, you know, we just saw a guy who had a natural aging curve. It would have been curious if he had figured things out earlier. Maybe he'd have a better chance, but the principle yeah. truth is, while his peak is so high, you know, it took a while to get there, and that unfortunately would be why he doesn't have any shot at the uh the big hall of fame yeah mutant morgan mutant mango man morgan uh, ogan mango man i think on, on youtube said uh he was in italy and stayed up for the 18 strikeout game said it was a random decision to stay up but he was glad he did obviously just an incredible run and like you said the class a trade continues to bear fruit so and then i know people talked about the oscar walk off i feel really bad for kluber that he didn't, didn't go out get to go out on a good note that's my thing he got hit by the line drive in 2019, and that was the end for him. Um, and then he got traded in 2020. And then the lasting memories of him for Cleveland are um, the Oscar walk-off in 2022. And then 2023, don't forget, 
I think Jose Ramirez hit um, three home runs off of him or two of the three home runs off of him when he was at Boston. So don't let those memories cloud your, your mind. Think of the 2016 playoff run. Think of the Cy Youngs. Think of the 18 strikeouts. Think of his lasting impact in the start of Cleveland's pitching factory. Farewell to Corey Kluber. We wish you well in retirement. Thanks for the memories and uh, come back for your induction ceremony in Heritage Park. And if you ever want to be a coach, I think we would love to have Kluber back in Cleveland. And if someone's uh, listening to this podcast related to Corey Kluber, I know he's a very talkative person. If he wants to come on the podcast, we'd love to have him. <laughs> and as we're getting ready to go here, quick notes as we are two days away from spring training. Uh, Sandy Martinez, dad of, of Angel Martinez, war number two. Johnny Peralta recently. Einar Diaz, personal favorite of mine. Brett Butler, Ken Aspermonte, George Strickland had it for a while. Hall of Famer Luke Sewell. And uh, Joe Sewell, I may be related. I don't know. I have to go look that up. But I uh, want to thank you all for reading and reviewing, downloading. It helps being an everydayer and being part of the show. We appreciate each and every one of you tuning in during the pre-season. Thank you all. And go, go, Guardians, go.